So I was thinking about what we were talking about last night and was really kind of making sure that I wasn't wrong um, about what happens if we default, if the country, if the U.S. defaults on June 1st and fails to raise our debt ceiling. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about that. And the first thing I was thinking about was like, okay, do you understand what our debt ceiling actually is? Like, because we have this fear that they put in us that says, oh, man, if we don't raise this debt ceiling, we're, we're going to default and we're going to have all these problems and we're going to have all these things going on and, and everything else. And it's like, OK, so what is the debt ceiling? Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that even is? Well, we've talked about it before that it's a, a the level of in debt that we're allowed to get before we start actually, you know, deciding that that's when we don't have any money and we have to start paying everything off before mm-hmm. we can, you know, continue to be in debt. And they keep raising it because they don't want to get there, which, you know, basically makes it seem like it's a never ending thing that, you know, we're, you know, in debt, but that we're never actually going to pay off any of it. But that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's all it really is. It's like it's it's how much more money are we allowed to borrow to pay off our existing debts? Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a problem with that. This is this is perpetual. OK. And so I went and I looked it all up and, and I'll, I'll talk more. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it, actually, because I was watching the news because I, you know, wanted to stress myself out for no reason whatsoever and realized that nobody's watching the news anymore, which is absolutely comedic. And I have say things to say about that, too. Gee, go figure. Um, but they're like okay so what what happens first so the first thing that happens is they say oh my gosh millions of millions of americans who who need that money will suddenly not get it and i was like okay so let me let me take a look at this so first thing that they said was that oh my gosh social security people who rely on social security um you know it's there's 67 68 million people that mm-hmm. rely on social security um and their benefits would be halted no, that's that's not true, because in 1996, um, the Treasury Department, seeing this crap coming, actually had an escape clause in there uh, that would allow them to still make payments, even if there was any kind of delay whatsoever in lifting the debt ceiling. So, OK, so that doesn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, well. um, You know. Other ob- other federal obligations would would be a, would have problems. Uh, SNAP, Medicare, Medicaid, right? Things like that. Mm-hmm. And no, no, you there. There's this thing people aren't getting. If you go to the hospital to be taken care of, the hospital has to take care of you in the U.S. It doesn't matter. It they literally have to. You know. Yeah. Do you go in debt? So what? Okay. Look, I'm going to go in debt a quarter million dollars in my, or, or I'm going to die from cancer. Which do you think I'm going to do? <laughs> right? Uh-huh. So not, I'm not going to play this bull. This, this, is, this is BS. So, well, y- you know, okay. But what about Medicare? And what about, what about, uh, or what about like food assistance and, and those? Most of those are state programs. Most of those are not federal programs. Would they be cut? Yes, they would be cut down. But would they be eliminated? No. They're state programs. Okay? Are there federal programs that would be eliminated? They would be affected. But understand that until we have federal programs that are giving more money to the people than they're giving to the administrators, then I don't care. Legitimately. So, okay, well, our, 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 we'd have a, a market credit freeze and the market would crash. Yep. So... I'm legitimately asking, so, like, well, you don't understand. No, what I understand is generation by generation since 1913, we have been passing our debt on to the next generation. And at some point, we have to make do. It's perpetual. We are literally passing it down the line a year at a time right now, Mm -hmm. causing stress. The only way that we're going to fix it. Finally saying, yeah, I'm going to take it on. I'm going to take it head on. That's it. It's like, oh, yeah, well, but you don't understand. You know, we'd lose 4% of our economy. Yep. Hey, coincidentally, just to let you know, 
um, 4% of our economy goes to pay federal jobs. So. All those redundancies. The reason that the people who are closest to it are screaming and whining and, and being little, you know, oh my gosh, and doomsdayers about it is because they lose their job. That's right. Oh no. Department of Forestry, Department of Wildlife, Department of Fishing Game. All do the same damn thing. All can do the same damn thing. All have a bunch of different people on the ground. All have a bunch of different people in offices. All have a bunch of different people managing those people. All have a bunch of people managing those people. And all have people managing those people before the heads of those departments. Cool. Consolidate our effing debt. That's what we would have to do to operate. Because... It doesn't eliminate, it doesn't end everything. It ends our ability to get in more debt. That's what it does, right? Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's stupid to me because it doesn't make any sense on how we're allowed to even, as, you know, a country be in debt. It doesn't make any sense and it seems counterproductive, like something that would have made, that would make sense in the, you know, name of like we're in a war kind of thing, mm-hmm. but for everyday things and for going on for this long it just it doesn't make any sense to me why if it's going to be a perpetual thing forever and ever and ever then why does it exist because then it literally feels like it just doesn't exist if we could keep raising it and not have any consequences to raising it then how does it exist and and that's exactly it and you know when you when you sit there and you say that it's like you can't do that i can't do that how 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 are how are we allowing anybody to do this? Look, what people should see right now is there's a banking crisis. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when it happens. And honestly, the sooner it happens, the sooner that we recover from it. But the federal government doesn't want to have to talk about that because that would mean they failed, and we've already known that they failed. Here's what's funny is on um, Twitter, right? Uh President Biden's tweet two hours ago, Speaker McCarthy's bill would slash funding for for 11,000 FBI personnel, including men, including men and women who put their line uh, lives on the line for our safety every day. Okay, so stop. Let's let's take the spin doctor bullshit out of it. Yeah. Speaker McCarthy would slash the funding for 11,000 FBI personnel. Okay, roughly 4%. Go figure. Personnel, not FBI agents, not FBI staff, not administration. All up and down the board. Awesome. Do it. We have an authoritarian government. We have an authoritarian um, law enforcement service. There, there's no protect to cert- and serve. It is to rule and bully. Like That's literally what it is, right? Yeah. But that's that's what he said. Four hours ago, and people were like, "Oh my gosh, that's horrible!" and 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 then they, and then goes goes into this kind of stuff, talking about in of all ugh, people, you know. <sighs> here, I'm gonna just pull this up here. Deeply concerned that Senator McCarthy's bill would cut so many jobs. This includes for people who perform vital vital health care needs. That this that this. That the bill that they put forward would cut funding all over the place. This is not the American way. You dumb. I'm not even giving you your name. Not even going to say your name, you stupid failed candidate. You have absolutely no business talking about it. We have failed. We have failed by electing you morons. Who have come in on both sides of the aisle and destroyed us. We need a third party. We need it now. And until we get it, we have to deal with these lying, lawless rules for thee and not for me. Sanctimonious people who either don't care about you before the womb or don't care about you after the womb type politicians who want us to be able to get an extension on their credit card so that they don't lose their jobs. At the expense of all of us. I am sick of this. I'm not willing. I am not willing to give my daughters additional debt because my generation, and oh, by the way, this isn't my generation. This is the boomers behind me, right? Refuses. 
to say, hey, it's time to take responsibility for this. Social, secu- Social Security was a failure. We knew it was a failure. We knew it was going to be a failure. It was a Ponzi scheme that directly required us to continue in our population growth in order to financially fund itself. Okay. How does that happen when we allow illegals to come in and take jobs? Shh. Okay. How does how does lowering the crime rate happen when we want to cut all of these federal programs from people instead of finding ways to help them get jobs, get get up and get on their feet? Shh. We get shush from both sides trying to say these things, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's absolutely ridiculous. So what happens? Reckoning. Reckoning is what happens. I want the reckoning. I want people to realize it's like, oh, well, but but global financial markets will lose their faith. This is from the White House. OK, global uh, financial markets will lose their faith in America. They have lost their faith in America. Yeah, that's already been happening. <laughs> Go understand. go look at you know all Nigeria when the Nigerian president prince came whatever he is sat there and said get your money out of U.S. dollars that that literally told you what they were looking at Th- there is no U.S. dollar when we're so scared that by the way and this is just quietly crept in and I bet you didn't even know this did you know that the federal government now has a cryptocurrency. <sighs> I knew it was coming. I didn't mm-hmm. know that they already accomplished yep. it. It's been done. Yeah. It, it's literally called FedNow, I believe. Let me take a look here. Yep. So it's it's absolutely nuts. But I have gone on a tirade <laughs> just because I have a lot to talk about. So with that, welcome to the Afternoon Dive on the Stupid Podcast on Everything, where I'm Joey. And I'm Kiki. And we talk about everything. And all at the same time by two people who are just fed up with being lied to constantly and then other people saying yeah well what do you want to do about it i want a third party i want a third party that's that's literally my answer right there you know i i am absolutely disgusted with where we're at i'm i'm disgusted with our country i'm disgusted that people spend more time you know I want to point this out that 20 years ago 10 years ago nobody had any problems with saying the words gender dysphoria and saying, hey, that's something that needs to be dealt with when people are adults. And for the people that need to deal with it, it needs to be taken care of. But the moment that it became about how much money that hospitals and lobbyists were going to make off, you know, pre-adulthood, transgender surgeries, care, and everything else that was related to it, that suddenly it became important. It has nothing to do with your well-being. Nobody gives a damn about your well-being. I want to explain to you, and if you're listening to me right now, I want you to repeat after me. Nobody in the federal government cares about me. Say it again. Elected officials, Congress, Senate, White House. Nobody cares about me. If they're offering you a program, ask why. Ask what they're trying to buy, where what their angle is, and things become very clear, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so a pre-adult transgender uh assignments or surgery plus maintenance it came out a couple of of weeks ago they figured out what the cost over the of the course of a lifetime what it would cost guess i have absolutely no idea (laughs) 3.4 million dollars over the life of the patient oh there are approximately right now oh hold on i'll look oh that's right i tried to look this up before and it was problematic so I had to utilize a bunch of data points, and um, I used School of Law. I used um, um, uh, a couple of healthcare uh, sites, mental healthcare sites, mm-hmm. and I had to use the Williams Institute, and came out to roughly one in five people who identify as transgender are between the ages of thirteen and seventeen. Okay. So I went and did the numbers based on census, some numbers and everything else came out to approximately 1.7. Okay. And, and by the way, they think the number is actually higher. So when I sit and I look at it, I'm going to, so I'll go with their number. 2 million 
children between the ages of 13 and 17 identify as transgender. Okay? Uh-huh. So, how much money does that equate to? I'm going to go with a lot. $680 billion. Wow. So... So why are why are for-profit companies fighting for this? Why are pharmaceutical companies that would that you would need their medicine for the rest of your life be be fighting for this? Why would we be calling this a human right? Why would we be sitting there and saying that hey, you know what? No. Get help. If you are an adult and you Feel like you're trapped in the wrong body? Okay. Go see a therapist first. There you go. As an adult, do it after you're 25. Do it after your body chemistry stops changing every couple of day- of years. Seriously. Understand that that's just the ones between 13 and 17. Remember... We got kids that are five and six years old. We, we've seen it on TikTok. Parents are, oh, my four-year-old, you know, Stephen is now Stephanie because he identifies as a girl and they are exploiting the living. Your kid doesn't identify as anything. Your kid is still thinking that when they grow up, they want to be a fire truck. Okay, your kid is not there to make life altering decisions. You stupid, twisted sheep. It's absolutely ridiculous to think otherwise. $68 billion is why they're doing this. I just, every time I hear about things like this Mm -hmm. and and see things like that on TikTok or Twitter or whatever it is, I, the, the frustrating part about it is that it's again, pushing forward this narrative that nobody can disagree with or else you're automatically transphobic. Right. And it's, it's frustrating because it's not that I disagree with people that are raising their children and raising them to be interested in whatever they want to be interested in. If you ha- give bir- give birth to a boy and that boy is raised around, you know, normal things, normal people, all the things are just whatever. It's not being pushed one way or the other. And he starts showing interest in wearing makeup and wearing a dress because mommy wears makeup and mm-hmm. mommy has dresses mm-hmm. and mommy is my role model that does mm-hmm. not mean that he wants to be a woman that's i'm still jealous that women get purses it's to just, this day as an adult man my gosh it's just it bugs me that people look at one part of being that's such a normal thing growing up mm-hmm. As this horrendous thing that needs to, oh man, we need to fix you. You're so horribly, you know, misunderstood. You want to be a girl? Let's make you a girl. Oh man, you want to you wanna try the lipstick on that I just put on? You watched me put on and you're fascinated mm-hmm. by me because I am your role model? Let me go get you a dress. Let me go get you this. Let me go get you that. It's like people are pushing forward narratives on their kids. And it's frustrating to me because they take the select few kids that knew from the moment that they were, you know, mm-hmm. conscious of themselves that they weren't, you know, the sex that they were born with and make that the narrative of every single person on the planet. And right. that's what's that's what's frustrating. You can't take the couple of people that have known from birth, from the moment they were conscious and aware of themselves that, you know what, I don't feel like any of the things that I'm supposed to do. And it's wrong, and I feel like I was supposed to be a different gender. You can't take the few people that have felt like that and have stuck with that mm-hmm. their entire lives and then get to that point where they finally go, you know what, I'm going to just, you know, go for, for the trans surgery and do all these things and then, ha- you know, be happier afterwards mm-hmm. as the entirety of the group. Because the amount of people that go into something like that, because they have that narrative pushed forward towards them for so long, regret it. It's literally we we and we've talked about it before, but the it's the same kind of aspect about, you know, existing and the way that, you know, all of us are is that you have a generation and uh, you have a generation of kids that whose parents were all, oh, my gosh, hush, hush, can't talk about sex, can't talk about reproductive system, can't talk about any of those things because, oh, my goodness, those are so terrible, terrible, terrible things. You don't you keep it to yourself and they're prudes and they don't want to talk about any of it. They never teach their kids anything. And then that generation grows up and they have no answers to anything. So they experiment with everything. Mm -hmm. 
and then you have the sexually free, everybody's super happy, and everybody's, you know, passing around STDs because nobody taught them anything. Mm -hmm. And then those kids are born being forced to be sexually healthy, which provides the exact opposite and then we keep back and forthing with all of it it goes back and forth over and over and over again literally look at the last 50 years Mm -hmm. you can watch that happen about three times just in the last 50 years and people still have this narrative that that's not what goes on because that's what we're doing right now except instead of just sex we're doing it with everything that has to do with you as a person identifying with what you're attracted to. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it comes down to. You, it, It's so frustrating to watch this happen again and not have people understand what's actually going on. Because now it's not about sex. Everybody knows about sex now. It's, it's a normal thing to, for everybody to know about every part of it. Mm-hmm. But... Now we're pushing it a step further and going, okay, yeah, sex is great. This is, you know, what it is. This is how babies are made. And then on top of that, you know, a man can love a man and a woman can love a woman. And we were great on that. 10, 15 years ago, yeah. when I was still growing up, I got told that. And everything was perfectly fine. And all of us were good and uh, nobody had any issues with it. Yep. Gay, le- gay marriage was legalized and there was yep. th- everybody was happy. Yeah. And now we're going too far. (laughs) So we're in that too far phase right now. Because we are grooming kids. We are absolutely 100% grooming kids. There was a video that is going around. And you can find it literally. And there was a a dad who stood up in front of the school board and played the audio. Because his his kid had was recording the teacher. Because could not handle what this teacher was saying. And... I think I sent it to one of you, um, but and I'm sure by now it's been deleted, <laughs> but literally the teacher was saying you cannot condemn somebody because they want to have sex with a five year old. That was this teacher's argument. She's saying we're using the term map, which means minor attractive person. We're not saying pedophile because that that's not the right connotation. OK, I am sick of all this crap. So I, I, I just it it blows me away. This is where we've gotten. This is where those extremists feel that they're justified in being. And I don't care who you are. That's an extreme point of view. Yeah. If you have that point of view. You are absolutely the the antithesis of a person that I'd ever want to meet. I'd never want to meet you ever. Never come into my life. Never sit there and tell me and try to justify it. I will end you. I will absolutely, you will not be in my life or anybody else's, period. That is ridiculous. You're going to sit there and justify to me the destruction of a child because of your own screw, because you are screwed up. You know, I've, I've said before that I hate that people use the term phobic or phobia when it comes to anything, right? Mm-hmm. Because what's phobia? It's a fear. I don't have a fear. I have a fear of what they're going to, what the repercussions of something are, you know. And a phobia is actually listed as an unreasonable fear, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Which I always found comical because, you know, galeophobia is a thing. What is that? It's a fear of sharks. Is that unreasonable? No. (laughs) It's. Right. It's like, so how can that be a thing? What if, it, okay, you know, where it could be a thing. If I'm worried that a shark is going to eat me while I'm sleeping in my bed upstairs at night. Yeah. And my that's mid, what I, midland home. Okay. I that's can what see. I would assume is right. probably, that's the only way that it can be considered a phobia is if it's mm-hmm. w- like you said, unreasonable. unreasonable. Right. If I am, you know, up in a plane and I am scared that every time I go in a plane that, you know, a mime is going to start, you know, miming <laughs> next to me. Then, yeah, I think that's a little bit of a, an extremity for no reason, because why is it every single time I go up in a plane that I'm scared of a mime? Like, it's unreasonable. It makes no sense. The chances of it happening are ridiculously slim. It's just, you know. I just looked up fear of mimes, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. <laughs> well, yeah, there's so many different fears that I'm not ever going to try to pronounce. But it's just like, that's that, that makes no sense. To the average person, that's stupid. And it's like, what are you doing to get over it? It's like, that's mm-hmm. if you can tell somebody to get over it, then it's a phobia. Because that means that for the most part, 
not everybody has that fear right and the reasoning behind it doesn't make sense to the average person yeah. my I, fear i would argue that if you're in the ocean and you're not afraid of sharks around you wanting to eat you there might be a different problem <laughs> so but it's the perfect example is i have emetophobia which is mm-hmm. the fear of throwing up there is no actual reason why I'm afraid of throwing up. Right. It makes no sense. To the average person, it's, oh, man, I get sick. No, and like For everybody else, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, nobody wants to throw up. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. It's not something that's just, you know, people get sick and then everybody's like, ah, you know, damn it. <laughs> Sickness going around, stomach bug. I can go throw up and be fine five minutes later because they, you know, they can realize and recognize, yeah, I just got whatever was, you know, upsetting my stomach out. Perfectly fine now. Not for me. If I if other people are throwing up in the house and I know it's because of a sickness, a viral sickness that I can get, I avoid them at all costs. I avoid everything they touch at all costs. I avoid being mm-hmm. in the rooms that they're in at all costs. And I avoid even letting my feet touch the ground when I'm walking around. If they were walking around barefoot kind of level of afraid. If they are throwing up, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to be around it. I can't. It gives me anxiety. I cannot look at it. I cannot smell it. I cannot see it. I can't. I literally cannot be around it at all. I will lock myself alone in my room. And when I get to a point where I feel like everybody is not sick or I'm confident in the fact that I'm not going to get sick, I will glove up boot up and literally go around disinfecting every possible thing I can. Mm-hmm. If I get sick, and I know that I'm, you know, at that point where if I have any kind of stomach ache or anything like that, it gives me f- pure anxiety, not, oh my gosh, I'm anxious, oh my god, no. My heart starts racing, I cannot think straight, I feel like I can't breathe, and then I get scared because of all of those things that I'm going to throw up. And then it's a hor- horrible, vicious cycle if we having a metaphobia. I've said, and everybody that has it has always said, that it's probably one of the worst fears to have because you're afraid of throwing up. Except being nervous, having anxiety, or anything like that can make you nauseous. So it's a mm. horrendous cycle that you can't get out of until you manage to get yourself to calm down by whatever logical thinking you can get into your head. You can't just take deep breaths and not be afraid that you're going to throw up. I get to the point where it's like the fear that I have is like I I can't be nauseous and then just like go sit in the bathroom just in case. I have mm-hmm. to stay and not move and not do anything because I it's just it's. A, er, it's irrational it makes no sense i'm not going to die if i throw up and that's what it comes down to is that people are afraid of these things like it's going to kill them and yep. be and end everything and they can't have any chance of fighting back you know everybody's afraid of dying mm-hmm. everybody's afraid of a painful death and everybody's afraid of fear which makes us all phobophobic <laughs> i just so want to point that out i mean this you know it's it's absolute it's insanity. Yeah, the, the, so it's it's it makes no sense for any of these things to be homophobic, mm-hmm. to be transphobic, to be you know any anything along those lines that makes no sense because it's not a phobia. I am not afraid right. of, of so, homosexuals or trans people. We we bring this up because here's the thing that you need to that I want anybody who's trans to understand because I have trans friends. I have trans family. I have gay friends and gay family. Yeah, we I come have, from the most. We are the most diverse <laughs> so grouping of like people. We have <laughs> friends and that that are very religious and friends who are not religious at all. We have friends across all the spectrums, and we find and come and commonly meet common ground. Right? Mm-hmm. We do this, and because I have to look at the truth of things, because there's truths that scare the living crap out of me. The, the truth is, upwards of, depending on which study you go to, 40% of adolescents who identify as trans and adults who identify as trans have, co- uh, have a- admitted to committing suicide or attempting suicide in their lives. Okay. So, if you don't think there's a bigger problem... <laughs> That needs to be addressed. I promise you a pill, a penis, a lack thereof isn't going to fix the issue. The -hmm. people who are going to tell you that it's going to fix the issue are the people who are selling you the penis, the lack of penis or the pill. If you are in a place in life where because of your situation, you feel suicidal There are bigger issues that need to be addressed. And that's exactly what it is. And so 
I have no fear. And, and, and here's the thing. Those people who are pushing the pills, who are pushing the surgeries, those people will tell you that I'm phobic, but I'm not phobic. I am worried because half of those suicide attempts, half of those people who, you know, were suicidal or had suicidal thoughts pre-surgery, pre-op, still had them post-op. Yeah. People think that it's going to just change everything. Literally, it, there are so many different interviews and documentaries out there right now in mm-hmm. free places for you to witness and hear people talk about regretting transitioning, regretting, you know, going taking any hormones or puberty blockers or anything like that. They have regret it. I've watched countless videos of people talking about how they regret that decision that they wish that there would be somebody teaching them that no matter what you look like on the outside that you are still you and you don't need a physical body to to validate the things that you feel Mm -hmm. we went from do whatever you feel like be gay be straight be trans be whatever dress however you want do whatever you want have sex with whoever you want and now we're taking kids and now we're taking it Mm -hmm. to the point of now all of that has to validate you you can't sit there and do whatever you want and feel valid in whatever you're doing. You have to have some outside quality validating what you do and how you act and mm-hmm. all the things that you feel. And that's not how the world works. No. It's never been how it works. And nobody will ever be happy if they're constantly searching for validation of who they are and who they know that they are from the outside world, from their their body in the mirror. It's never going to fix it. If you have an issue with something and you feel depressed and you are... You know suicidal because of whatever it is that's going on in your life whether that be internal external if there is an issue there that you feel like you don't want to be on this planet i promise you nothing outside of you is going to fix it you have to be able to take the steps necessary to get out of what you're feeling it's the same thing as when you and it sucks because it's it people are going to say and take it to the extremity and be like oh my gosh how could you compare somebody being suicidal to an alcoholic but i promise you it's the same thing Mm -hmm. if somebody is not happy with the way the place that they are in life that they feel like they can't parent that they can't sit home at home and have dinner with the family that they can't go and just relax and watch tv and everything without drinking themselves to being blackout drunk Mm -hmm. if they can't sleep without drinking themselves to being blackout drunk then there is a bigger issue it's not the alcohol that's the problem we're not blaming the alcohol for the fact that this person is constantly drinking it they're going out there and making that decision it's an addiction and they have to get out of it we are literally getting all of our children hooked on the idea that this thing will fix it. Right. These people, the people that are alcoholics, think alcohol will fix it because it may numb the pain. It may numb whatever they're going through. They don't think straight for however long. And that's why they do it. But someone somewhere at some point showed them mm-hmm. that alcohol, whether it's just social things, whether it's their parents growing up, whether it, no matter what it was, at some point they got told, oh, alcohol equals fun. And then it just went further and further and further and further. And then it's no longer a fun thing anymore. And it's a thing that they feel like they need in order to not feel horrible anymore. That is what we are teaching all of these kids. That they need this thing to not feel horrible anymore. That they need to have this to not feel horrible anymore. And that is so horrendously wrong. How come we don't want vape companies advertising to to children with their colorful fruity flavors and ads and all of that? Oh, they're targeting all of our kids. But it's okay to have all these puberty blockers and, and hormones and, and trans, mm-hmm. you know, all of the surgeries targeted towards and marketed towards our kids. Because that's where it's that's where it's starting. These kids aren't waking up one day and going, you know what? I feel like being a girl. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like being a boy. I feel like being something in between. That's not how it works. They've been the way that they've been their entire life. And yes, things people go through changes and they go out and they have those outer influences because that's what we struggle with. We have we have two children in this house right now that take anything and everything that their friends say mm-hmm. 
for that it's you know the word of god we swear and we've gotten to the point with lily at least that she comes home and she she asks for clarification you're like hey mm-hmm. uh just want to know uh is this actually what happens when blah, blah 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 and we're like uh no and she was like okay yeah my friend told me that and we'll have a conversation about what actually is going on right. and now we're struggling with it with tabby at the same age that we struggle with it with lily where everything her friends say she takes that as everything that needs to happen and it's scarier with her because she's not getting to a point where she's like oh hey my friend said this you know is this true she's just taking it and living her life with that and we have smart children. <laughs> so it's insane to me that we can have all these kids that are more vulnerable, especially because those kids are depressed or are suicidal or have horrible anxiety. Yeah. And this is what we're telling them is going to fix it instead of telling them, hey, let's address to being, yeah, the issue Welcome first, to being a right? human, first of all. Right. The world sucks. <laughs> we all have to get used to it and instead of teaching your kids that the world's gonna change and their feelings matter and oh my gosh you feel your feelings baby that mm-hmm. instead teaching them hey overreacting over this little thing it's an overreaction and you need to come to accept that and the steps forward from that are first admitting that you're overreacting for something that isn't that big of a deal mm-hmm. you think that going to school in you know jeans and a t-shirt is so much better than going to school in a dress. Why? Because it's more comfortable. But mm-hmm. everybody else is telling you, oh, girls are supposed to wear you know, dresses. And you're taking that and saying, well, I have to have dresses, mom, because then everybody else will stop making fun of me. No, they're not. They're making fun of you because they're just horrible people. Yeah, I was going to so say, it's you like, know, it's, it's, I play a game, and last night I was talking to one of the kids that's, that's actually in our group, right? And was sitting there and saying, you know, I don't understand why you know there's there's this boy and he keeps he poured glue in my hair and da 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 and people oh he's flirting with me and like and I said no he's a horrible human being who doesn't know how to ad- adapt in any way shape or form and you should stay away from him because he obviously doesn't know how to talk to you and if he does like you then he's a horrible toxic way of showing it and you, if he gets acknowledgement that toxic actions are what's going to get your attention he's just going to keep going with it and I said at the same time you need to get yourself out of that situation and extradite it people are people. Mm-hmm. And end of the friggin' day, the you know, and and people are talking about, oh well, you know, you don't understand what's gonna make me feel better. No, and and you know, and I'm special and everything else. Okay, let 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 me go through this. Robin Williams, Heath Ledger, okay, Vincent Van Gogh, Chester Bennington, Kurt Cobain, effing Cleopatra. All committed suicide, all achieved their goals, all achieved their dreams because it didn't fix the real problem. I could go for an hour naming people like this. No joke. Ernest Hemingway. Okay. Pontius Pilate. Virginia Woolf. I I could go nonstop naming people who have committed suicide who achieved amazing things, yep. you know, because they realize that they're told, oh, do this one thing and then you're going to be good. Right. Because that's that's the way that that works. It's like once you do these things, then you're going to feel better about yourself. Once you take this pill, you're going to feel better. Once you get this surgery, you're going to feel better. Once you get, you know, one, once you, you do ABC then you're okay. Once the world is okay with you, you know, being whatever it is that you want to be, then you'll be okay inside. No, my entire family, look, 80% of my family want nothing to do with me. I'm okay with that because I have no issues calling them out on their hypocrisy. No issues whatsoever. You know who who gets along with me and my family? Uh, My family that's here, number one. The family that I've chosen, number one. And the family who has been ostracized by the rest of that cult. But whatever it is that brings you to a point where you are willing to end it, that is what needs to be addressed and it won't be fixed by a pill it won't be fixed by a surgery it won't be fixed by these things suicide rates are up 
And and then I'm going to say something that I think is going to be highly unpopular when I say this. But I do not believe that 40% of teenagers in any capacity, in any demographic, have tried to commit suicide. I believe that 40% of teenagers have thought about it. 40% of teenagers have been depressed. I bet more than that have been depressed. Mm -hmm. But actually attempted to end their life? No. I, I don't believe that. Because I have friends who have ended their lives. And you know what the first thing? They wouldn't tell anybody. You know why? Because they look at it as a sign of weakness. And you don't have to like it. I don't care. The, the whole point to this was that you're being lied to. Do I have the answer? No, I don't have the answer. My gosh. <laughs> It'd be absolutely arrogant to the level of narcissism that I don't even think I have the capability to possess to think that I have the answer for this. But what I do know is just because you don't have the answer for something doesn't mean you can have the not answer for something. Mm-hmm. Right. But let's go ahead and call me phobic because I won't allow this $680 billion industry to tell me what's better for me. You know why? Because the last time we let the medical industry tell us what was better for us, we let the federal government take it, work with them and give us a medical life right now that is not sustainable for most of us. It was less than a hundred dollars a month for me to have medical before this crap. My grandfather had a doctor before this crap. Mm Mm-hmm. I have friends and family who d- and can't afford anything because of it. It's pathetic. It's distressing and it's destructive for people to say, well, because you don't have an answer, your opinion is invalid. No, because I don't have the answer to pedophiles and pedophilia. But I know that the answer is not to throw children at them. Okay? I don't need to have the answer for something to to be able to say, hey, this is not the good idea. This is not the answer. It's retarded. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, what did you have to talk about? Because I have literally taken over our entire podcast <laughs> this episode. Oh, I had some confessions. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so... Uh, Okay, this one is titled, I abandoned my daughter 13 years ago because of how young I was. I grew up in a very abusive home. My stepfather was a terrible man and my mother did nothing. I got pregnant after giving birth. I wanted to be there for my daughter, but after a few weeks slash months, I just couldn't handle the the abuse anymore. So I made the most selfish choice in my life and I ran away at 15 or 16. I can't remember my exact age. I was probably closer to 16 at the time, though. I'm 28 now and I found out the jerks abandoned her and was contacted about taking her in. So now I'm traveling to see her and I know she probably hates me. I'd hate me... Because, you know, I'm also a mess. I have done a lot of bad stuff to survive, and I've been a hooker and a scammer, but the one thing I truly regret was abandoning her, and I can never make up for that. Yeah, it sucks. So, what are you going to do now becomes the question, right? Well, she's going out there to, you know, try, and I think that that's, at this point, that's the best thing that can happen, because she was a child herself, she yeah. didn't know what to do. She was terrified and she just was tired of the abuse and left. That's, yeah, in, in the eyes of parenting, that is a selfish decision. Mm-hmm. But in the eyes of self-preservation, right? you can't be faulted for running away from abuse. Whether you had a child or not. You were 16. You were a child. You didn't understand anything, obviously. And you just tried to get away from it. And you obviously had such a horrible start in life that the only way that you knew how to do anything was to scam people and be a hooker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you're, if you go and you meet her and she goes, you know, and she hates you, she has every right to hate you. But at some point, she will probably come around to recognizing and seeing that if your actions show that you are willing to fix that. You want to fix it and you fix it and then, mm-hmm. you know, she'll understand. If you stop doing all of the bad things and do the good things into making money, having a house and all of that, 
and you completely dedicate the rest of until she you know it with the, which is two years probably i think she said that she's or no she didn't say anything she, okay mm-hmm. she had her at 16 she's 28 now yeah so she's so about 11 12. She's 12 12 years older so the baby's 12 so she she you have eight you have six years to fig- figure it out my goodness i can't math today <laughs> you have six years to figure it out and hopefully get her to not hate you and that's more than enough time in my eyes to be able to not sit down and explain everything to a 12-year-old because they're not going to understand. Mm-hmm. But show that you are there and you are willing to make the sacrifices needed to raise her and, you know, make sure that she doesn't live the same life that you lived because they are obviously not wanting anything to do with her anymore. So you have that opportunity to fix it. So get a real job provide housing for you guys make sure that you're fed watered and all those things that Mm -hmm. she has everything she needs that you have conversations and she needs to have conversations and give her space and time because at some point and it may take after she goes and runs away or you know moves out or whatever it is for for her to realize that yeah everything was terrible because she's being raised by the same people that raised you so you think she hates you because you ran away but you may take her in and she may get to a point realizing that you're not like them that you didn't abandon her and that you were just Mm -hmm. acting in the eyes of self-preservation because if she wanted to get away from them, it took you until you were 16 to figure out that you didn't want to be there. I I (laughs) wish my mom would have run away. I'll just say it straight out. I wish my mom would have run away. That would have meant my grandparents would have raised me. And yeah, I, you know what? If she came back into my life and I knew both sides of that coin, I will have wished that my mom ran away. (laughs) I will have been like, Wow. So versus you who didn't want me. Right. Uh I've got two people who actually did did want me and did want me at one point to live with them and grow up with them. And they were going to take care of me and raise me as their own. But no, she wasn't going to allow that to happen because, you know, but I I wish she had. So I hope whoever has been raising your daughter has been amazing to her. That's what I care about. Well, No, she's been being raised by her parents. Yeah. Which were abusive. Oh. That's why she ran away. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, all right, move on to the next one cuz I'm <laughs> I I I'm trying to find a road of empathy on this one. I just I'm not I'm failing at it. Okay. Um this one is very weird. <laughs> okay. It's titled I just drank a little bit of my grandmother out of morbid curiosity. What? I think Reddit will have a kick with this. My mamma passed away years ago when I was 12 and hit me severely in the gut with unresolved grief and depression. She has been cremated and my mom left me with the responsibility to keep her urn in my room. I've since made her a shrine in her memory. My mom has now moved into a new place and now lives across the states and I'm planning to visit her in the next week. She re- requested that I bring some of Mamaw to spread her ashes in the river nearby her house. Usually she <laughs> likes to do this when we find a new place or a beach to take a little bit of someone we held close to our memory. Now this is the first time I've touched the urn. It's never been opened since her cremation. I and my mother are very spiritual people and... I have the irrational fear that touching the urn somehow will cause some form of hex or misjudgment on my part, so I've never touched it. But I cannot take the entire thing with me, so I opened it and poured some into a tightly closed jar to make with one of to take with me on the trip. In order to get the ashes out, I used a smaller measuring cup to accurately get a portion out of the container. With this, a film of residue was left in the smaller jar. In my extremely emotional, vulnerable <laughs> state and morbid curiosity, when I went to wash out the small jar, I took a few sips from the murky water. I've since put the urn back in its place and refuse to look in my mamma's direction. I feel so conflicted. This grief is coming back and now I feel a heavy sense of guilt and weight like a children who accidentally broke a vase. I'm not sure if I'm overreacting or I truly did just did something uh, bad. Parts of me wish I never did this and told my mom I couldn't promise her wish. The other part of me is conflicted with the immoral action that I committed a meager act of cannibalism, if it's even considered to be that anymore. I'm lost, confused, and now thrown back into a state of grief as if a part of my very dead mamma has risen from the dead and has come back to haunt me for this stupid action. 
Okay, number one is not cannibalism because <laughs> the there's nothing in there that would be her DNA anymore. She's literally been turned to ash, right? It's like uh-huh. it's the same kind of mentality as the realization that we drink waters that was formerly made of dinosaurs, right? Uh-huh. It's like it doesn't mean that we're part dinosaur because it's it's so far removed. Second, what the hell were you thinking when you were washing that out going? Obviously not. I wonder no what that's going to taste like. There right? were no thoughts behind the eyes. They literally, they don't even know what overtook them that made them do that's, that. That's what I'm saying. But it's like. I can't even blame them because in all honesty, I 100% believe that Lily would do that. Yeah. You cannot sit here and tell me that Lily would not do that. In her mm-hmm. crazed and not a thought behind her eyes and everything, anything and everything goes into her mouth at some point. Would not go, I wonder what that tastes like. And before her brain could stop her hand from <laughs> completing that thought, that it would be too late. <laughs> yeah, It's horrendous because of what it is. But I, I, I bet there are so many stories similar to this. Not with dead people's ashes, but with other things that aren't supposed to enter your body. Mm-hmm. Because so many people chew on things, eat things, and touch things. And like, there's My Strange Addictions literally had an episode of a lady that was obsessed with eating her husband's ashes. Ugh. And everybody's, you know, thought process on it was like, you know, what is she going to do when they run out? Like, go switch to instant coffee? Like, I don't know, but <laughs> if I'm the other person on that dating app that she's looking at right now, I would be very concerned because what is if she got a taste for that thing and i become her husband i'm just saying (laughs) but the point that i'm making is that it's like i i understand that it's horrendously confusing but it's literally just got to be one of those drop it and move on and never speak about it again because i it was a dumb mistake of something that you know you should not have you know everybody has curiosity and everybody has that one thought that's like, mm, I shouldn't have thought that because that's really weird. <laughs> this was one of those mm-hmm. that your brain decided to complete before you had the thought process to go, that's not a good idea. <laughs> so it, I, I, I feel bad because you're telling yourself that, you know, <laughs> you, you don't, you're spiritual and you don't want it mm-hmm. to end out, you know, end up to be a horrendous thing that you're going to be haunted and everything. And I, I'm sorry that that's how, you know, you feel because I can't relate to that aspect of it. I'm not I'm not spiritual. I'm not religious. I'm not any of those things. It's just like if something gets proven to me to be really weird, then sure, I, I may have a sense of belief there. But I haven't had any experiences yet. And I just it, I can't relate to that part. But in the sense of what your action was being, you know, morally wrong, horrendous. Oh, my goodness. It, yeah, it's fucked up. But you did it. There's nothing you do know about it. And you're, just, you're not, it's not like you did it and you were like, yeah, it tastes really fucking good. And I, you know, proceeded to drink the rest of them mm. that night. And now I feel terrible about it. It's like, <laughs> that's not what happened. It was a dumb thing that you just, you know, impulsive decision for, you know, it just, it happened. It's over. I, you got to just kind of never talk about it again and move on. <laughs> so, yeah. That's my. That's how I feel. Yeah. No. I'm. What? Okay. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> this one is titled "I read my roommate's diary all year and then stole it when we moved out." Oh, you're a jerk. Okay, it's a confession. Okay. <laughs> In 2019, I got into college and started my first year with a random roommate. She was really rude to me, despite trying to be a good roommate, and I would always clean the room, take out the trash, etc. But she was always an asshole. I wanted to know why, so I dug around like the third week and I found her diary. I started taking photos of it when she was in class and I would read it. I would make sure to put it back exactly like it was and I never used it in our arguments and I kept that shit hidden from everyone, including my friends. I did this consistently every other day for two semesters and it was so addicting I couldn't stop. I learned so much about her and how she's mentally unwell but she hides it really well. I couldn't help it, it was just so intriguing. Then COVID hit and I just wanted to a keepsake and when she was moving her shit out, I was about to get in my car and leave and I went in and made the intrusive de- intrusive decision to steal it and I put it in my pants and my shirt over it and left. She never texted me about it or anything, never posted about it, nothing absolute, nothing, absolute silence. She had quit... Uh, She had quite a few people who didn't like her, and her friends and boyfriend were really weird, too. I legitimately think she doesn't know it's me. She had such a huge falling out with one of her friends, and I really think it was was because she thought that she stole it. I know this is absolutely terrible, but I still have the book. It's been so long. It's just at my parents' house. I know this was absolutely terrible for me to do, and that's why it's my confession. I have dreams of her finding out and us arguing to this day. 
man was her shit fucked up though i'll never be able to see into someone's life like that again in real time updates <sighs> slip it back in her stuff she's gone <laughs> she's moved back out COVID hit and they all moved out she, just, she probably doesn't know where she lives it's too late you can find people i mean there's too so much she social go break into her house to put it yes. somewhere or stinking go two miles away from your place and mail it to her find her address mail it to her i mean seriously that's a part of somebody's like okay i've never had a diary okay i tried and i was like yeah this isn't me right <laughs> um but at the same time, I, I that's a per, part of somebody's life. Like, it's an important part of their actual life. So, yeah. Get, just get it back to her somehow. <laughs> one way or the other. Okay, ugh, next. I, the, okay. I hate these things. <laughs> well, you're going to hate this one. We're going to end on this one, though. Oh, good. Uh, it's titled, I used to steal other kids' lunches at primary school. When I was in primary school, I live in New Zealand, so primary school is ages 5 to 13, I grew up really poor. My parents had split custody week to week, so some weeks I stayed at my father's, which he never provided for me. My stepmom always packed me a lunch, quote-unquote, which consisted of an apple and usually a boiled egg. I used to make excuses to go to the bathroom constantly so I could scour other kids' bags in the in the cloak bay and steal their lunches, which was always yummy things like roll-ups, Dunkaroos, ham sandwiches, yogurts, etc., um, and I would eat them quickly and put the rubbish back into their bags or just throw it in the toilet and flush it to dispose of the evidence. We had a few school assemblies about it, but I never confessed or told anyone. I'm not really sure what made me do it except the fact that I was hungry. Now you're a selfish ass prick. Oh, God. <laughs> you really just, uh, and you want to end on that one. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Well, uh, well, you know what? I have no love for thieves. I have because thieves are liars and they're people that make victims. There's no thievery that doesn't make a victim in the process. There's no justification for it. Somebody robs a bank and says, oh, don't worry. That's what insurance is for. That insurance is still paid for by people based on a ratio of assholes like you st robbing the bank. And when people sit there and they steal food from kids, it's never OK. Anybody who justifies it. I had somebody that tried to justify it. I dumped her for it. Literally, her kid would steal clothes from other kids at their school because she liked them. And I was like, no, go turn this back in. Her mom's like, no, she doesn't have to turn it back in. I don't want to get in trouble. I was like, oh, OK, well, we're over. And that, like, I just that was the end of that. I wasn't playing that game because that's just you're making victims of other people. And it's like when you. Uh, yeah, you're a horrible person. You need that's that's all. I, I don't care, kid I, or not. You were a horrible person. I, <laughs> um, I was I was gonna say that if they didn't have lunch at all, I would understand, because if nobody's providing for you and you're not being fed and you are, you know you don't know how to handle the situation you don't you're in that position where it's like you've been threatened about oh you can't you know go to school and say something about it because then cps will be called and you don't want to be taken away from your parents right and all the guilt tripping and horrible people that you know raise kids that are out there in the world it's like i could understand you know taking something because you genuinely were starving but you you got an apple and a boiled egg and yeah it's not the best thing ever but at least it's nutritious and it still was something and you mm -hmm. were just jealous of the fact that you didn't get fancy things Dunkaroos. tabby did that mm -hmm. tabby Dunkaroos literally Lunchables had, had cop and yeah, a cop she, incident. when we first moved out here i'll keep it short because you know we're at the end of our episode here when we first moved out here you were still on the road and it was uh you were out on the road with nikki and amy and mm -hmm. i were home and uh, when we moved out here, one of the things that the girls loved doing before we moved was going to the park. And the park where we lived was down the street. And the park here is down the street. Except we lived on we live on a more main street here. Mm -hmm. And it passes an intersection of stop signs. But Lily has always been responsible. And Tabitha knows to listen to her sister. And so we let them literally down the street from our house. It's not like this is a mile away or something. The, the park is down the street. And we sent them over there. And... Uh, made sure that they ate and everything before they left and they would they would spend hours at the park and then they would come back and they always knew to be home at around like 4 4 30 if they were if they left in the morning so that they could come home eat something whatever and you know they weren't out as it was getting dark that was never allowed it was not oh come home when the street lights come on it was come home well before that and so they they were you know right on track to you know they took mm -hmm. a couple of snacks and everything and then tabby started complaining about being hungry to lily and lily was just like you know then go home 
and Tabby didn't want to go home alone. And Lily was like, well, we're not going to go home together. You literally brought snacks, whatever. And apparently Tabby ate all the snacks already. Mm-hmm. And then there were these girls that she had made friends with at the park. And uh, still don't know who they are to this day. But she made friends with these girls playing in the water park. And they stopped playing to go eat their Lunchables. And Tabby was not allowed to have Lunchables because they're not nutritious. They're literally horrible for you. They're a bunch of proce- overly processed yep. food that you can, is so overly priced for something that is literally not worth it. But, you know, it's Tabby. And she wants, she loves processed food. So she wanted the Lunchables. And so she started, you know, egging them on to share them with her. And, oh, do you, th- and they were, you know, because they were kids and they mm-hmm. were nice, they were like, well, we can go see if our mom can go, you know, get you one or she can have the extra one that we have in the bag. And so then they all went up to their parents and proceeded to, oh, yeah, she doesn't have any food. She's so hungry because that's what Tabby's saying to them. Then, you know, the parents go, okay, well, that's a problem. And where are your parents at? Oh, they're at home. And then to that parent, you know, no issues on that parent because for the how dramatic Tabby was making it seem – she had every right to call the cops but then she called the cops and tabby proceeded to freak out and so we sitting at home get a call from the cops or we get a call from lily saying that the cops are there and they go hey are you Mm -hmm. on the phone with them give me the phone and then they proceeded to hey yeah we're over at the park with your kids you gotta come get them and then proceeded to do nothing but talk down on how horrible Amy was as a parent and how she was just this, this you know, how could you neglect your kid and leave them there? Uh, it doesn't matter that down the street. They had to cross an intersection to get here. You know, you have to make sure you didn't even send them here with food. It's like, first of all, we did. But, you know, Amy is not a confrontational person when it comes to things like that. And we just moved out here. So we want to move out here and have a bad reputation with the cops. And so Amy just, you know, I understand, you know, it's OK, officer. I understand, officer. And they gave no, no, paid no mind to me because I'm just that nanny so they didn't care about anything that i had to say i was all livid because i was like are you seriously talking sitting here and just insult insult after insult about how we are as parents because Mm -hmm. you don't like that our daughter is dramatic and she had food and she lives down the street so she could have come home and eaten at any point in time Mm -hmm. but no it's okay continue to tell us how we're terrible so it's like things like that it it, it, I don't have sympathy for people that have food, but they want the better food, so that's why they steal, because it's it's not justified. Mm-hmm. Tabby has tried it over and over again. She nope. still, to this day, manipulates her friends to give her their desserts and things, because she doesn't like that she doesn't go to school with, you know, fruit snacks or, you know, anything that's bad for her. She can still go to school with a slice of banana bread and still convince somebody to give her, you know, their Oreos, because she wants the Oreos and not the banana bread that she loves. So it's just, you know, I... I don't I, I could have understood if you had no food ever and if they you were neglected and nobody cared and nobody took care of you or like I could understand. But it's the fact that you had food. It wasn't good enough for you. And you took other people's good food. You didn't go in and take people's, you know, crackers. You went and you mm-hmm. took all the things that you wanted out of their lunch. Mm-hmm. That's selfish. And mm-hmm. that's no, there's no part of that that I can feel sympathetic towards because you had the thought process there and you're justifying it. Well, I was hungry. But you had food. So if you were hungry, you would have eaten. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, that, that's that's my two cents on it. And yeah, so for the fact that we have, you know, she never got to the point where she was stealing, but she manipulates people to think that she doesn't get enough to eat and blah, 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 blah. And her food's so dirty and gross mm-hmm. and blah, 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 so that she, you know, makes people feel bad for her that they give her the things that, you know, oh, well, I have a bunch at home. It's OK. You could have this one until it's every day. And she's, you know, bargaining with them about, oh, yeah, no, we make this amazing banana bread at home. You know, you'll want to have it if you give me Mm -hmm. all of your lunch. I'll give you this slice of banana bread. That's that's the level that Tabby will do with them. So it's just, yeah, coming from somebody that has witnessed and found out slowly over, you know, the past two years that we have a kid in the house that would do that if she got the chance. I don't I don't have I don't have much sympathy. But anyways, Mm -hmm. you got anything to add to that? No, no, I, I don't. I'm. Mm. <sighs> yeah, when I jump, when I dumpster dove at Denny's, mm-hmm. I literally went for food people were throwing away. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going for the Dunkaroos. I wasn't going for the things that people were actually buying. I never begged for money. I never panhandled for for anything that was anybody else's. I didn't want to take from other people. What I took from was a dumpster. To this day, I'm pretty sure nobody has put a warrant out for my arrest for five moons over my hammies. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. Anyways. So with that, don't forget to hit that follow button on whatever you're listening from. Like our podcast page on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find all of that in our link tree in the description. And be sure to give our website a visit. SuperpodcastonEverything.com. And we will see you tomorrow morning. Peace out with your peace out. Bye.